What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Creating Wealth Podcast, where I, Kyle, from Kyle Curtin Real Estate, interview local top dogs in the real estate investing, wealth building, and personal finance industries. Let's build together. Welcome to episode five of the podcast. Today, I get the amazing opportunity to interview Joe DeCola. He is a super knowledgeable investor, currently house hacking a single family property in Malden, Mass. There is unreal amounts of information worth its weight in gold in this episode, especially for newer investors that are starting out fresh. This conversation is so valuable and carried on a little longer than usual, but for really good reason. So it's going to be split into two episodes. I hope you enjoy. Let's jump right into the episode. What's going on, guys? Welcome to episode five of the Creating Wealth podcast. Today, I get the great pleasure of interviewing Joseph DeCola. Uh, he's currently house hacking a single family property over in Malden, and I'm really excited to have him on the show and talk to him again. What's going on, Joe? How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Kyle. Um, just, uh, you know, hanging in there. We're doing what we got to do. We're still, well, at least in my company, we're back in the office now monitoring the cases of the current situation. But in the real estate world, you know, there's, there's things that are changing. There's things that, you know, are creating some opportunities, things that are you know, hurting some people, but, you know, we're adjusting and adapting as we go to, uh, to make things happen. So I appreciate you having me, uh, do this, uh, this podcast, uh, show number five. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking to share my experiences to, to help others and, and see what we can, you know, what we can uncover and what we can discuss to, uh, to better, you know, people that are in the similar situation as mine or ones that will be in, in the near future. Um, you know, and, you know, we learn as we go and we share our, share what we had experienced, um, you know, as we progress. Yeah. hundred percent, man. It's definitely a different world out there now. And, uh, you know, lots of, lots of things are changing and there's, um, there's a lot going on <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, for sure. But, um, to jump right into things, man, what yeah. got you into real estate and what's like your backstory? Sure. So I guess starting out, I, uh, I had some distant relatives on my mother's side of the family, as well as a cousin of mine. Um, you know, growing up, I knew that they had rental properties and, you know, they, they weren't working nine to five jobs. They were, uh, you know, especially the older ones, they were kind of managing the property properties, being landlords, you know, selling some properties, flipping some. So, you know, the interest kind of started there because it seemed like, you know, they liked what they were doing and they always had some project going on and, you know, changing it up and, you know, things like that. Um, so it seemed like something that I, you know, got to witness a little bit at a younger age, but then as time went on, you know, as society tells you, you know, go to, go to college, get a job. Um, you know, and I was a good, I think that I was a decent student in high school. So I ended up going to college and studying engineering. So I came out and I, I've, you know, I, I looked at things and I was like, I'm, I'm making decent money now that I can, you know, either spend on rent in a nice apartment or something like that, or, you know, I could get into real estate. So, I mean, I started reading some books and, you know, I was, I was like, okay, buying a house is a, is a pretty good investment if you're doing it right, you know, and you can't just buy any house, but, you know, you pick the right area, you do some research, you get the right property, you look for the certain amount of bedrooms and bathrooms and neighborhoods, um, you know, and you got to do the math out, you got to run the numbers. I mean, as an engineer, I always go by my numbers if I don't mm -hmm. like my numbers, then, you know, certain things can be more of a liability than an asset. So, um, and yeah, just, uh, you know, it was a lot of books. It was a lot of, um, 
starting to expand and network with other people that I knew, uh, you know, were doing it. And I felt like something, like it was something that I, uh, you know, I always thought it was interesting. And I believe that you got to like what you're doing with anything in life, at least a little bit. Um, you know, and I could see myself, especially being a little bit handy, um, being able to do small projects and improve things. Um, you know, that's kind of why, why I started to like it, at least in the beginning. And then as I learned more and more, I started to like it even more. So yeah, that's how it kind of unfolded for me. That's how it all started. Mm -hmm. That's great, man. And you're, yeah. you're hundred percent right. You know, life's too short to, to not enjoy what you do. And, um, you know, if you like it even a little bit, then, then that's great. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Definitely. What is your drive and your vision for the long term? So I will say, I, uh, like I said, when I came out of school, I uh, started a job, you know, just a standard 40 hour a week job. I was a uh, control systems engineer in Woburn, Massachusetts. And, you know, I was, you know, actually talking with a lot of people that were there, some 40 year old, 50 year old, 60 year old individuals. And, you know, the first thing I noticed in the workforce is a lot of people are complaining about a lot of things. They're complaining <laughs> about money. They're complaining about not being able to spend time with their family members. They're complaining about, um, you know, that they deserve more and this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, honestly, I, I wasn't around a lot of young people at this first job. And I was one of the younger guys coming out at 22, 23 years old. And there weren't many people that were young and like high spirit as I was there. So it was kind of a, uh, an eye opener to see the situation that some of these people were in, even though, you know, they were decent roles and that type of thing. And some were in management, some were sales directors and this type of thing. But, you know, I, uh, I kind of was, was thinking of ways to invest my money in my time so that I could get a return on myself to kind of get as most out of life as possible. So in that, uh, you know, it's not about the materialistic things or like, you know, not having insane goals for, you know, high priced cars or anything like that. But I think the freedom and the ability to do what you want to do when you want to do it, you know, with your family, I'm going to have, you know, having kids someday, a wife someday, you want to be able to do the, the things that, you know, um, that make you happy rather than holding you back and being, you know, chained to a desk and, and, you know, the stress of the uncertainty of maybe not having that job at some time or, um, you know, things change in workplaces, people get laid off. So, you know, uh, as far as that goes and, you know, the wealth creation and that type of thing, it's, uh, you know, wealth, I, you know, I, I would define it as freedom and happiness more so much than, you know, just the money aspect of it for sure. Um, so then, yeah, I, I mean, I took a lot of personal education, um, you know, as my responsibility. So I started reading articles. I started networking with people. I wanted to expand my network. I read it. Um, you know, more books. I even went through social media, unfollowed things that was putting garbage into my head and started following things that would, uh, would teach me things. And, and I would learn just from scrolling sometimes, but um, yeah, that's kind of like the whole drive behind it. Just trying to get the most out of life. You know, I'm, I like to do a lot of things. I like to travel. I like to, uh, you know, try new things like, you know, I'm a pretty active high energy person. I like to do as much as I can. So <laughs> It's, uh, you know, just pushing myself to, to my potential, really, and uh, trying to better myself and those around me so that everyone can be happy and do everything that they want to do.
hundred percent, man. It it kind of sucks that like most people just follow the traditional route. You know what I mean? And you know, mm-hmm. just do the nine to five and have to ask for days off to, you know, to go to little Tommy's T ball game or something. And right. You know, like they don't get to be there for those kind of moments. And I I feel like that should definitely be an eye opener for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know that you can create that life. It takes a a bunch of work, but right. it's totally sustainable. Mm-hmm. And uh, even you know, like you said, just by starting by you know looking at some of the things on social media, you know, like that you're following, um, just changing up, changing it up a little bit. You know, who you're following and what gets put into your feed, and you know what you get to look at every day. You know that kind of thing. Yes, and just certainly. replacing that with with stuff that will actually benefit you and. Um, you know, even something as small as that definitely compounds over time. And mm-hmm. uh, it starts to change the way that you, you think. And right. it's crazy. I totally agree. Yeah. Oh, of course. And, you know, you, you do, you know, people have done this. There are people around us that do this every day and have done it. So it's really not an unachievable dream. If you just, you know, hit your goals and you put together your lists and you, you know, do your small tasks day to day and you stick to your focus. You know, I, I believe that anybody really can do this if they, uh, you know, just figure that out, kind of organize their life and put their priorities in order. And, you know, a, a lot of people should be able to achieve such a thing. I, I, I truly believe. Yeah, definitely. So, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's really crazy to see, like, once you start networking with people and stuff, like the amount mm-hmm. of people that come out of the woodwork, like around oh, yeah. you yes it's yes. so nuts man <laughs> it is people in because you know your town or like your neighbor could be like an investor or, you know whatever you're trying to get into and you have no idea unless you talk to them right it's... exactly <laughs> i that made me think of something too uh i know there was there was this one read the millionaire next door yep and you know you don't i don't know if you read that one or not but mm-hmm. it's not always obvious who those people are but deep down they're probably pretty happy with their achievements and, uh, you know, they, they don't have a lot to show to others about it, but they know that they have what they've been looking for. Yeah, totally. That mm-hmm. book was definitely an eye opener for me too. You know, yeah. when you think of the traditional, you know, millionaire, billionaire, you know, you're thinking of Ferraris and, you know, huge mansions and all that stuff. But, you exactly. know, like your senior, senior citizen neighbor could be like mm-hmm. in the same spot and, you know, he's had the same house for 40 years and, you know, he's beyond all set with everything that he needs. Right. It's, you don't always have to be materialistic. And I totally agree mm-hmm. with you. That's kind of how I was brought up as well. Yep. And, uh, you know, that's, that's so crazy. It's so true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. But then on the other side of the coin, I know, you know, some people like things. There's some people yeah. that, are, that are, like, into collecting watches. There's some people that are really passionate about cars. They're, they're, they're going to have a nice car just for the sake of their driving pleasure of taking it on a Sunday morning, not to show off in front of people. So, I mean, yeah. whatever you want to do, go to crazy va- vacations on the beach in Bali. It's uh, it's totally up to the individual. So mm-hmm. that's why too, you know, working towards your goals and, and rewarding yourself is, is what is important. So, and it's different for everybody. Um, yep. You know, you can't really, can't really tell what someone, you know, what's rich to someone else or what's wealth for someone else is different for another person. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And even like, I feel like you kind of have to have a blend of, you know, like creating assets and stuff like that and like making stuff for you, uh, work for you and creating that lifestyle as yes. well as, 
you know, enjoying your life too and stuff like that. You know, if you wanted to get that car, then, you know, go nuts if it makes you happy. You know what I mean? Like you said, mm-hmm. it's completely different for everybody. Yep. You know, as it long is. as your assets still outweigh your liabilities, go nuts, right? I mean. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Even if, yeah, I mean, making sacrifices sooner and then rewarding yeah. yourself or, you know, putting putting the systems in place to generate what you need to, to live the life that you want. That's what it's all about. Exactly. And you're right. Anybody can do it. You know, I'm trying mm-hmm. to get it out there to as many people my age yeah, you know, or, or our age, you know, you're still wicked young too. You got a couple of years <laughs> on me, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I yeah. know. I, I do the same thing. I was just was talking about you going possible. from, yeah. Yep. So I know I'm, you know, trying to get as many people on board. I mean, it's not like there's one pie that we're all eating out of the same pie. I think that, you know, it's possible for everyone. It's not like anyone's, you know, there's plenty of room at the top for everyone. Totally. So, yeah. yeah. But uh, Would you mind telling the story of how you acquired your first property and any sure. lessons that you learned from it? Oh, of course. So um, I will start by saying growing up, I grew up in Wakefield, Mass. So that was like 10, 10 miles outside of the city of Boston, right on 128. And, uh, you know, we all knew in respect to the rest of the country that this was a pretty expensive area. So, you know, the, the idea of signing up to pay a mortgage in the Massachusetts area, Eastern Massachusetts area, it seems, you know, crazy for a lot of young people. And, uh, you know, then you got to realize though, just by, you know, looking into things and analyzing, you know, you've got to always think of how, so like, how can I make this happen? How do people do this? And you got to, you know, dig through the surface a little bit. So I knew of the benefits like tax advantages, equity, um, property, like appreciation, cash flow, um, you know, just from self-education in that regard. So then I started looking for avenues to get into a property. Now, when I was, you know, analyzing neighborhoods and, you know, realizing uh, in the area, what was, you know, what were good opportunities, what were okay opportunities and that type of thing. You know, I figured I couldn't lose being close to the city. So my initial target, you know, I was looking at some duplexes and singles. Um, This was when I was like 25 years old, uh, looking Mm -hmm. at duplexes and singles, pretty much in the greater Boston area within 128. but I wanted to be in areas that didn't fully explode in value yet. So areas that I saw as potential growth areas. So I was originally looking in Medford. I was looking in Stoneham. I was looking in Malden where I ended up, um, South uh, Dorchester, Quincy, these types of towns, Watertown. Um, because when I was, you know, running the numbers and that type of thing, I was saying to myself, well, if I either have a unit rented or if I have people renting rooms from me, this is really helping me get into a property, at least in the beginning. Um, you know, I can build some equity. I can, you know, move out. I can get some tax advantages. I can, um, you know, have a place that I can put some sweat equity into and add value and then better myself, um, you know, going forward financially. So it's a first step and it was a daunting, you know, thing at, at, at first when you're looking at it, but, you know, as you get into it more and more and you get more uh, comfortable, and you, you know, talk to a few lenders, you start talking to realtors, you're talking to tax people and you're learning, um, you know, you uncover a lot and it kind of opens up some doors and you feel a lot more confident. So mm-hmm. what I ended up doing was I was looking, um, 
and I went with a single family. And what happened was, I remember it was a cool fall afternoon, um, 2018, and the uh, the Patriots were playing on a Sunday, and the street was actually ripped up, and this house came up, uh, you know, for sale on the MLS. And I wasn't even with my realtor, but I went down to check it out, kind of walked it. There was an open house. No one was there. Uh, you couldn't even get access to the street. So I parked like far away and walked down to it. And, uh, you know, the mechanicals were good. I had, you know, I was looking at a lot of two bedrooms, but I saw a finished basement that didn't get water in it. And I knew that there was potential for space down there. And then also, you know, a lot of the houses that I was looking at were two bedrooms. And this one was a three all three bedrooms and a full bath upstairs. So the price wasn't, you know, uh, you know, anything too high out of the ballpark, but um, I knew of the configuration there. I said to myself, you know, if I can live in one room and rent out two or three, you know, I, I would be well on my way. And I, you know, I have a younger brother. I, um, you know, knew a lot of people in the area that would be willing to move out and pay, you know, $750, $850 a month to live in a room. And, uh, you know, I felt like that would be, would be manageable. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting the house below asking, um, you know, moved in, I made the basement that was finished, kind of like upgraded it, changed the floors, added recessed lights, um, put the drywall on the ceiling, painted it, uh, did a nice pergo floor. And, you know, I was down there, that was the basement suite. I had it all to myself. And then I had my brother and two other tenants, uh, you know, tenant roommates upstairs in those bedrooms. So, you know, it was four of us in a house, but it, uh, it could, could feel cramped at times if someone had someone over or something like that, but everyone was courteous. You know, it's, it's important to, you know, stay in check with one another and, you know, have good people in there. But, you know, as far as an active type investment that it is, and, you know, you got to put a little work in stuff needs to be cleaned more frequently. You got to manage it, et cetera. I was living here like very cheaply with like those three, I was only like $300 a month. So it really helped. And, you know, in that time, the improvements that I had made, it got me into a better, a lot better financial situation in only a year. So, um, you know, I'm glad that I did it. And I, uh, yeah, I mean, do you have any questions about the, the property or anything else that I did in the, in the stages, but that was, that's pretty much how it went down. That's awesome. Uh, one question that I do have, how was it, um, with like the relationships with like your other tenants, like all you guys living in one spot, like, was it kind of tough sometimes to like coordinate stuff with people and like who showering first, that kind of thing? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we didn't in the mornings, I know, yeah, all four of us were getting up around the same time and, you know, going to our office jobs. Um, but some, some were more inclined to shower in the evening before bed and then get up, get dressed and go others. We never really had a schedule that. Um, and then, you know, one individual liked to be more in the common areas and like sit on the couch and watch TV. And then mm-hmm. other individuals had gaming PCs on their desks at, in their rooms and they would spend a lot of time in there. So, we weren't really crossing paths too, too much. I could see how it could happen more with, uh, with different individuals. Yeah. Maybe I got more on the luckier side as far as like sharing common spaces and that type of thing. But, um, 
I will say it was essential to always clean up in the kitchen, put all the dishes away, wash everything, empty the dishwasher, you know, not make a mess because if the next person come around and they want to make something and then it's, you know, that's going to create some, some hard feelings there. Um, and then, you know, bathroom management, it's, I have one full bath and then one half bath on the first floor and, you know, just keeping those clean and accessible and, you know, everyone's taking their turn to, to do their part. Um, you know, that all helps too, but overall, I mean, I had a large enough driveway. We could fit all the vehicles in the driveway. I mean, I'm in Malden, but I can somehow, I have a deep detached two car garage and I can fit eight cars in my driveway. So that was kind of a lucky scenario as well, because a lot of houses around here don't have that. Um, but, um, yeah. And then things like having individual locks on the doors, having a mail sorter, because then you have four different people's mail showing up, um, <laughs> you know, having even like a whiteboard, it's like, who's doing the trash this week? Who's do taking the trash out next week? Um, and if you're in your single family house, living with others too, sometimes it may not even be worth your time to clean some stuff and just get someone to clean stuff. Because if you're like super, super clean, which, you know, I try to be too, but you know, there can be other uh, people that aren't like that. And you can be annoyed, like, you know, feeling like you're going around cleaning up after people. And then it's just worth it to pay that small amount of money with the rental money that you're getting in income anyway, and just have someone come and do it. So mm -hmm. it's nice to be hands off with as many tasks as possible. Um, like even mowing the lawn or something, or um, I used to travel for work and like my tenants would snow blow the driveway and like mow the lawn for me if I wasn't here because they were like pretty handy with that stuff. So that was all helpful. Um, you know, it kind of, that's why it's important too, to get the right people. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of people that you wouldn't be able to do a single family house hack with, but you know, if you're, if you do find the right people, it's, it's, you know, it can be pleasurable and it can be really, really worth it. So yeah, that's a managerial standpoint and kind of how that situation played out socially. That's really interesting, but, man. Yeah, I actually was going to ask about how the, uh, you know, like mowing the lawn and like the general, general kind of maintenance played out with everybody. Mm -hmm. So yeah, have that's, any... oh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 you, you go ahead. You go ahead. Did you ever have any what? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, did you ever have any issues with like accountability, like in that kind of thing? Or like, how would you, I know it's kind so, of. So I guess like someone, like something happened or something that someone was like responsible for. And then, you know, um, you know, there were, there was times when certain people would need a reminder here or there. Um, but it's like, Hey, you know, it's your turn to do this or, you know, you left that over there. Like, you know, let's not have all the shoes piled up at the door. There's other people walking in and out. Yeah. Um, you know, that type of thing, uh, which leads me into the, you know, yes, they may or may not be your friends, but, overall you are the manager and you have to treat it like a business. So you can be appropriate. You got to be problem solving and you got to be adaptive, but you also got to, you know, make sure that you stick to the rules that you outline. Um, yeah. You know, I would, ha I would even like to have a Halloween party and a Christmas party and there would be maybe 20, 30 people in the property, but I would actually okay that with all the tenants. They were invited just because you know, around 
Um, if they, if they ever wanted to have anybody over, you know, they would have to ask me, it was on the lease maximum eight people in the house at a time. Um, you know, just to cover all the bases. I didn't want any other pets here, um, that, you know, weren't mine. And, you know, that just makes things easier too, less of a liability. Um, so yeah, I mean, for everyone just setting like certain rules, just being courteous, like, okay, someone's sleeping. We're not in college anymore. We're not going to like be blasting music and, uh, you know, doing anything illicit in the, in the, uh, in the house at all, like after hours. So, um, you know, all common sense procedures really, but overall, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't too, too hard to manage. And I feel like, you know, a lot of people don't realize this avenue that they could do. It certainly helps when you're younger though. Um, you know, I wouldn't want to do it for too, too much longer. And then I would move into another property and house hack and just have my own unit. But, you know, for those years, just after college or, you know, just when you're starting out and working and that type of thing. And, you know, it's, uh, it's something that's definitely doable so that you can, you know, put that in your basket of tools of things that you can use if you're really looking to get going in real estate. And, you know, you sacrifice a little privacy, you sacrifice a little comfort. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would rather live on their own, but you don't have to do this long. You can do it for a year. You can do it for two years. If you were really aggressive and wanted to do it for three years, then, you know, it can really help you for decades after that, just by getting that jump start going. So yeah, it's not a permanent thing. It's really not, you know, in the grand scheme of life, it's really not that long that you're doing a single family house hack for. You can do it as long as you want, but, or you could Airbnb, like there's a lot of possibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent, man. So it's actually, it's really interesting because you're the first person that I've talked to from like locally that's done a single family house hack. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I so think- it's really interesting to see that kind of angle. Yes. Yes. Because I think like a lot of people don't really want to get into that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, from your perspective, like it shows what's possible, mm-hmm. um, you know, if things go your way and, you know, how to get things to go your way, you know, et cetera. Right. It's, it's crazy. I only know of one other is actually in Malden. It's mm-hmm. a smaller house, though. I think it's a two bedroom. And then they made sleeping quarters in one of the dining rooms or something. Um, so there was three people in there, the owner, and then two others, but yeah, I don't, I've in books that I've read and things that I've seen online, I think that honestly, like the, the culture in the area kind of changes. I know that the single family house hacks are big in, in Denver, in, uh, Portland, Oregon, Seattle area. Um, you know, going maybe in somewhere like Denver, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, the mindset of people that like to go camping and like sharing spaces with people when us New Englanders are like stubborn in like, you know, getting fights all the time. <laughs> it's just a different, it's just somewhat of a different dynamic, honestly. Totally. Um, so yeah, I mean, but that's the thing. That's where I got the idea from, I, you know, I'm not too picky of a person. I mean, I'm like, I don't know. I don't think it's for everybody, but I could, yeah. I could manage it and I could do it. And, you know, hopefully my experiences will go to help someone else who, you know, may get a live-in flip, like a, you know, good deal on a nice single family that's not a lot of money down, but then have, um, you know, some tenants in there just for, for a little while to, to get things going. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. 
I'm definitely so, going to keep this uh, keep this episode in the back of my head for for down the line. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I even I had my brother. He he left. He bought a condo, and he's now in, still in the Boston area. He's in West Roxbury, but he's house hacking a two bedroom condo. So, and his his buy room rates even better than what I was getting buy room. So he's you know still saving and and getting ready for his next one as well. So. Yeah, I'm sure he got that idea from me. <laughs> <laughs> it's incredible, man. You hear that, guys? You can house hack almost anything. You can do condos. You can do single-family houses. It's not just multis. You heard yep. it here. <laughs> That's very true. I will say uh, the the house hacking strategy by Craig Kirilop was a great book. Um, you know, I would recommend anyone that's interested in doing this to read that book too, because it gives you a lot of tips for the management, like screening of tenants, um, you know, things that you're going to run into as far as problems and all of that in like, in like the financial uh, plays that you can kind of set yourself up for. So that's a good one. Definitely. Yeah, guys, the knowledge is, is definitely out there. You know, you just have to go out and find it and, uh, and then execute and you can do some, some things that you never thought that you could do before exactly um, it's not <laughs> yep what do you consider to be the biggest variable to expand your portfolio so in expanding portfolio right say i didn't house hack and i was here a lot of what i made at my day-to-day -day job would be going to the mortgage the and then you know there's utilities there's you know, taxes, you got to, you got to spend a lot in upkeep on a single family, especially if it's by yourself and you only have one source of income. So, you know, you want to buy a property where you have an exit strategy from, whether it be, if you're flipping, you're in and out, you're going to sell, maybe do a 1031 exchange. Um, you know, you're either going to go in, you can then, I could leave, rent all four rooms individually, do the rent by room strategy there a little bit tougher to manage, but, you know, I would want to make sure that the, that the financials um, work properly. So I would, I would want to make sure that, you know, this variable is that I'm getting cash flow because I don't want to be paying into a property that I'm not living in and then have to worry about a second mortgage on top of that. Mm -hmm. So even the, how I looked at this property was with the driveway space, the two car garage and the potential for four bedrooms. I had already rented out one of the garage spaces to someone that had a classic car that they wanted to store for a whole winter for $250. So if I did 500 from the garage speaking, and then I had a tenant inside, I feel like I could still, you know, cash flow here, whether it was a buy room strategy or if I just rented the whole house out entirely, which maybe, you know, that, that could be the plan that's happening in the, in the not too distant future. So you want to, as far as variables, you want to be able to save some cash that you can then channel into other investments, whether it be another down payment, um, still contributing to your index funds or your you know, mutual funds or whatever you're, you know, just kind of do in the short game. Um, I should say the long game, but yeah. And then set yourself up to where you can then exit the property, still hold on to it, and then you can manage it and it'll run on its own. So I would say, you know, make sure that the numbers work as far as cash flow goes, um, you know, and buying a good area. I'm 
I never want to bank on solely appreciation, but you know, I kind of took a, I took a bet on appreciation as well, where I figured, you know, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't lose too much over here as far as appreciation goes because the way that I saw things going. So if I was going to do it somewhere, I'm happy that I, I did it in the city that I did. So yeah, biggest variable, I guess, is knowing what you're getting into before you get into it and kind of see what it would be like if you weren't there, but you still owned it. How would you, how would the finances look like? And then just keep saving, pushing that money aside and then get ready to channel into the next one. And there's even big things that help too. Like I refinanced in February and the rates plummeted due to the pandemic. That took a ton off of my, my mortgage. And then, uh, you know, even, even tax season this year, that was a nice feeling to see that. Um, you know, there's a bunch of other things as well that go into it that, you know, makes it work out. But again, it's, it's important to stay organized, keep your spreadsheets, keep your, um, you know, your, your ducks in a row so that you, so you don't get burnt. And, you know, if you take the right calculated approaches and you analyze properly, you know, the chances of bad things happening are, are greatly reduced. I'm not going to say it's never going to happen, but they are greatly reduced versus just winging it. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's so valuable, man. There's a ton yeah. in that. <laughs> There's a ton right. of really good information, guys. Definitely, you know, listen to that again. <laughs> that was a lot. Mm. That's great. Um, what is the most important lesson that you've learned over your career so far? Mm, that's a good question. So I would say, as far as lessons go, there are a lot of naysayers out there that will tell you that you can't do something. I've had people approach me multiple times and say, how did you afford a house that close to the city in the Boston area? Um, I've had people say, you know, like it must be terrible living with people still at this age or whatever. Um, you know, there's, there's things that, you know, you are choosing to do and you have the, the right reasons for it. But, um, you know, if you, well, could, could you repeat that question again? I just got a little sidetracked. No, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is the most important lesson that you've learned over your career? Yeah. Yep. So it's also important to network because it's like I was saying with the people that say that you can't do something, eventually you're going to meet people that will, that will say that you can do stuff. And they'll show you how you can in ways that you never thought were imaginable. Mm-hmm. I mean, with that, I will say, you know, there's a lot of people that don't know a lot about it. And they're like, how am I going to buy my first house? And they don't know any realtors. They don't know any agents. They don't know, like, you know, any of this stuff. So the biggest lesson is to educate yourself, I would say, and to network as hard as possible. Because you'd be surprised what you figure out and what you can find. And... I was getting a bit discouraged when I first started looking like as soon as I graduated college and I started working, I said, how am I going to buy a house? Like, how am I even going to want to do, even though this is something I want to do, like, I don't, I don't even see yet how I'm going to make this happen, but you don't want to, you don't want to stress about it. You just kind of, kind of jump into figuring out how it's done because there are, there always is a way. 
And I've heard strategies from even strategies that I haven't used, but amazing strategies from my network of people. So the biggest lesson and takeaway that I got from it is don't always listen to people, honestly, because like more often than not, someone will say that it's not possible or it's, it's out of your price range or, you know, you can't take that tax deduction or you can't afford this area or you can't like, you know, you're not going to be able to do that to that house or, you know, you can't make another bedroom. Like you just got to learn enough and see and try to experience enough to where you have a solid grasp on these things um, yeah. to where you can start executing on your own and learning from your experiences. Um, so that's what I would say. That's the biggest lesson there. Don't, um, don't go about it yourself though, because there's people, you know, um, that, you know, try to learn everything, read everything on their own. They don't want to talk to anybody, but I feel like real estate is something where the more people you talk to, the better it's going to, it's going to help you out. It's, it's not really a solo game and it's going to mm -hmm. take you a long time and you're probably, cause you want to figure out the mistakes that other people made and learn from those. So that's a key lesson right there. And these are structures built with cement, wood, and glass that are standing up. They have electrical, they have plumbing, they have, you know, a roof and there's people making money with it repeatedly. It's not, it's really, it's like, not that it's easy, but it is simple. What is, what is happening? And yeah. there's people that have done it over and over again. So that's the biggest lesson is look at those who are doing it and see how they're doing it. And don't look at those who haven't done it and will say bad things about it. They'll say that landlording is not right. It's stressful. You're going to fix toilets in the middle of the night. Uh, they're the tenants are going to put holes in your walls. Um, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah. So even though I did have a tenant fall off of the toilet and rip the tip, uh, toilet paper dispenser out of the wall. So technically he did put a hole in the wall, but <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was a quick fix. Yeah. Yeah. That was week one, one time. <laughs> so we, uh, yeah, we had to see how that was going to go, but it was fine. Yep. But Hey, I mean, that's an issue that came up and you know, you had to deal with it. You figured out right. how to deal with it. And now, yeah. you know, that's, you know, you can take on more challenging stuff as they come to you. Yep. You know, that's for you. sure. Have learned a lot uh, over these past couple of years, for sure. Um, no regrets, though. It's all worth it. I'm smarter about it now. I've experienced it. I know how to handle it. I know who to call for certain things. I'm building up my team. So it's all it's all good. 100%, man. Mm -hmm. yeah, you're, you're definitely right about the whole advice thing. Mm -hmm. like, there are going to be a ton of people that, uh, you know, that really don't want you to, to do what you're trying to do because they haven't mm -hmm. done it. And right. I feel like it could be like a, a jealousy thing, kind of like, you know, some people might feel bad if, you know, you end up doing that thing or, you know, they just like don't really want to see you get to where you want to be. And you, I feel like you have to be able to um, kind of be able to decipher like who's worth taking advice from and who isn't like right. on what you want to do and you know who mm -hmm. hasn't right uh, be able to selectively hear you know your advice and that's definitely 100 percent true and mm -hmm. it kind of sucks because like sometimes you feel like you're you like all alone when it comes to that like you're the only one that's thinking this way you know like, right crazy 
And then mm -hmm. as you start to reach out to people, you know, that are different than the people that are telling you, you know, you can't do this. Here's why, like, just don't even try that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You're right. Like once you meet that first person that says, oh yeah, I've done that. Yeah, you can do that. It's, it's like a whole paradigm shift. It's, it's so, yes. it's the craziest thing in the world. Right. It is. You're it's right. So nuts. And I've had that, you know, that bubble go off in my brain a few times just from talking with people. Yep. So it's, uh, you know, it's definitely beneficial. And one thing that I would say is as a big lesson, instill confidence in yourself and don't let other people shake it. Mm -hmm. It's so. super valuable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> definitely. And even to, you know, to your point about, you know, trying to do everything yourself, that's, that's really big because there's only 24 hours in a day yep. and you can't learn to do everything. Right. So yeah, yeah, that's the other thing mm -hmm. I, uh, not to interrupt you, no, but it's okay. yeah, there are, there are certain things like, you know, especially when you're still working full time and, you know, you can do some DIY things here and there, you can tile a bathroom floor, you can, you know, replace a door, you can do some stuff, but you know, you got to see really what is worth your time. And, yeah. you know, you also got to pull the right people in for when it's needed because, certain things are not worth it. Like if you're going to walk into a house by yourself and think that you're going to be able to flip it by doing all the renovations yourself in a few weekends, like you're going to be over your head. No. <laughs> so I, uh, that's the other thing, like building up the team of people who don't know who to call for certain things. And then, but still being crafty and being able to add some sweat equity on your own. Yeah. So totally. Yeah. There's, um, there's actually, so one of the, the previous people that I interviewed, like we were talking after the show and he said an mm -hmm. analogy about building a team that has really stuck with me. And I mm -hmm. feel like that might resonate like with you or, you know, really anybody else. So I'm going to throw it out there. Yeah. So we said basically like you're basically building a football team. And what he meant by that is a football team, you know, has a bunch of different people. You got, you know, the quarterback, the receivers, tight ends, you know, all these people and they're trying to get to the end zone and score. Mm -hmm. Well, you're basically doing the same thing. Yeah. You're trying to draft, you know, that first line. You want to have like, you know, your quarterback, you know, that could be like an agent or a wholesaler or motivated seller sending you deals. You right. Know, your receivers, that could be like your contractors and like everybody's working together to get to that end zone. Yeah. And he's like, you know, then you have to start building your second line, you know, and be able to mm -hmm. have more of those people. So when the first line aren't around, you know, you can still mm -hmm. get done what you want to get done. And then you're bullet. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, wow. Exactly. <laughs> or yeah. Like when say, uh, you know, you're managing tenants and like the turnover rate decreases because of a global pandemic or, you know, something's going on, you have to have the roof repaired or something then, yep. you know, or say you have, um, a high turnover rate or something's going on and someone has to move out right away or you're having, uh, you know, tenants that are misbehaving or, you know, there's something going on, then yeah, you got to pull in the special teams, right? Yeah. It's like, it's like, okay, we're in a situation now it's fourth down and we, what, what are we going to do? Are we going for the field goal? Are we going to punt? So exactly. Yeah. Then it's going to swap out of the main team and then have to pull something else in, but you have to, you know, put together solutions for these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's so, so true. And that really kind of shook my mind up a little bit when he said that. I'm like, wow, you know, all we're yeah. doing by building a team is just building a team. You know? Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's so, it's so true. I know. I know. And I mean, like, 
just from going to real estate meetup events, discussing on bigger pockets, discussing on Reddit, discussing on different Facebook groups of Massachusetts real estate investors, house hackers, um, young people looking, young professionals looking for places to live, properties to buy. You'll, by interacting and taking part in a lot of these things, you sometimes will even stop building your team without even knowing it. Like just from attending a, a virtual meetup is why you and I are even having this conversation right now, as crazy as that is. Exactly. And, and I had, you know, I went to a um, meetup at the night shift brewery in Everett in January, 2019. And I brought a friend of mine and, you know, he brought a friend of his and now all three of us are house hacking. We're recommending contractors to each other. And, you know, we're kind of like, you know, we're kind of like all in this together. So we have other people to bounce ideas off of. We have experiences to share and we genuinely are, have been helping each other out. So yeah, like the team, the team just kind of forms. You don't want to think too hard about it, but just kind of like, you know, it'll come together if you just stick to the goals and stay focused and just try to talk to people literally like just call someone every week. I know someone told me this idea, a colleague of mine, but um, just for the sake of not even looking for something, just pick up the phone, call a new lender that's in the area next week, see what he has to say. Hey, how you doing? What are your interest rates? Like, you know, would you put down anything less than 20% on a um, multifamily that I wasn't going to live in? You know, what kind of, you know, assistance programs do you have or what kind of, you know, deals can you, can you give with that? Or you call a new CPA another week and be like, Hey, you know, I, um, you know, I rent rooms in a house. Is there anything you can do? Like maybe I'll meet up with you at a real estate meetup. So just even picking up the phone, it's kind of crazy how you can just, you know, keep the, keep the team building going because you'll come across the right people. All right, guys, that concludes our creating wealth podcast episode for today. I want to thank every single person that has listened this far. It really means a lot to know that people can learn from me and with me as we build wealth together. Hopefully you can take home at least one thing from this podcast that will improve your life just a little bit. If you could, please check me out on social. That's at Kyle Curtin Real Estate on Instagram, Facebook, and I'm on Bigger Pockets. Until next time, let's build together.